uh, a lot of the kids, when they found out I was from Detroit, they would ask me, oh, like 8 Mile, Eminem. Oh, and <laughs> oh, very impressive. It's very, I'm very impressed that you, you know, that movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know Eminem. I did not live on eight mile. No. Um, and some of the kids, one of the, one of the boys he had on a Pistons Jersey. And when I said I didn't, I didn't see him when I was given my introduction, and I mentioned I was from Detroit. My introduction, so he comes up to me. He's like, "You're from Detroit," and he points at his jersey. Oh, like, oh yeah, that's adorable. It was, I know, it was so cute. And this was a sixth grade classroom, so these were like the youngest kids in the building. So he just seemed so small, you know, and so cute. And that was fun. Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Jasmine as the guest. Before I tell you about Jasmine, though, I do have a quick announcement. So first of all, this is the 80th episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. Eight is my favorite number, so I'm really excited to be in the 80s. Uh, it, it almost doesn't feel real to think that I've interviewed 80 people, but I have. And uh, yeah, so I'm really glad that we're here at this point. And also, this is the last regular episode that I'll be putting out for a little while, let's say until July. I think the pandemic lockdown and everything else that has been happening over the last year and some change has finally started to get to me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I just figured it'd be nice to take a little break. But of course, next month, Juneteenth is coming up, which means the third anniversary of Young, Gifted, and Abroad is also coming up because that Juneteenth is Young, Gifted, and Abroad's anniversary, in case you didn't know. So I will still be doing a special episode for that. I usually mark the milestones of the show by the tens. So every ten episodes, I usually do a solo episode called Ten Cents, (laughs) where I reflect on the show and also thank people that I want to thank. So... The anniversary episode, this year's, um, the third anniversary episode, will serve that purpose. So what's going to happen is, this 80th episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad is going to be out on May 18th, and then it's going to be real quiet for me, (laughs) and then I will put out the special anniversary, third anniversary episode, on June 19th. And then it's going to be real quiet for me again. (laughs) And then hopefully July, I will be back with new regular episodes, new guests, and it'll be a fun time. You know, but who knows? I'm maybe I'll take the whole summer off. I don't know. I've never done that before when it comes to making this show. Maybe, maybe I won't go that far. We'll see. (laughs) But I'm aiming for July. So yeah, 
And that concludes my announcement. <laughs> now, about this week's guest, Jasmine. Jasmine is from Detroit, but she lives in West Michigan now. And Jasmine was actually referred to me by a previous guest. So you might remember from episode 74, where my guest Deja, also a Detroiter, she was talking about being in college and how hearing her first year RA talk about studying in the Netherlands inspired Deja to decide to study in Japan. Well, Jasmine is that RA. <laughs> uh, Deja was so kind as to give me Jasmine's information so I could reach out to her. So thank you, Deja, for sending Jasmine my way. I really appreciate it. So yeah, Jasmine's from Detroit. She was the first person in her family to go to college, so first-generation college student. And she was also the first person in her family to travel internationally via studying abroad. Jasmine studied English and education, specifically focusing on elementary education. And thanks to the support and encouragement from her professors, she was able to find out about and participate in a one-month program in the Netherlands. She was in a college town called Maastricht, or Maastricht. You'll hear me also struggle to pronounce the name of the place uh, in the interview. But uh, yeah, she was there for a month in class, but also placed in an actual Dutch school where she could both learn and observe comparing the Dutch and American education systems, especially in regard to how English is taught and learned, but especially censorship and what types of information, topics, material are not censored in the Netherlands that might typically be more censored here in the States. So that was really fascinating her to learn about and for me to hear about. <laughs> and also during her time in the Netherlands, Jasmine got to spend a long weekend in Amsterdam and also biked across the border to Belgium <laughs> because Maastricht is very close to Belgium. And in addition, she got to experience the virtue of staying local, just exploring her local surroundings and meeting people there. So I really enjoyed I say this every time don't I but I did really enjoy talking to <laughs> talking to Jasmine she has such a heart for people and it was just very heartwarming just to listen to her talk and express her ideas about people and about students especially yes very very kind very open-minded she actually works in full-time ministry now I'll let you hear her explain how that trip to the Netherlands actually influenced her decision to take a different direction when it came to um, her initial desire to pursue a career in education. But yeah, I really feel good, very solid, very pleased about the fact that Jasmine ended up being the guest of this 80th episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. And I hope you will gain some wisdom and some softness from what she has to say. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Jasmine 
Biorly. Um, Thank you. Me too. And hopefully this this conversation can maybe lift your spirits a bit. I don't know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to say thanks for agreeing to be a guest, of course. I'm I'm glad that Deja put me in touch with you. Yeah. Really looking forward to this. (laughs) So why don't we go ahead and get started with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jasmine. I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm originally from Detroit. Um, first generation college student, went to Grand Valley, had an awesome four years there. I'm now married with two little children, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My husband and I are also in full-time ministry. We work as house parents for young moms. Um, my husband is also in seminary right now and he's a roofer. So we're like crazy people doing a bunch of stuff at like one time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we are sustained and we're grateful and thankful. I have dreams and desires to travel, but because of the pandemic and having small children, Mm -hmm. um, that is not something I can do right now, but I have a list. I have a list of places that I'm going to go as soon as I can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's me. I just turned 28 this month. Um, so I'm young and vibrant. I have full life ahead of me, Lord willing. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, happy belated birthday to you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it sounds like you're up to a lot, but uh, you know, like you said, you're y'all are doing your best, and like you said, you have a ton of life ahead of you. So that's great, and I, I'm sure we will get into you know what's on your list later. Um, mm-hmm. So all I know from what you and Daisy told me is that you studied when you were at Grand Valley. You studied in um, the Netherlands. And the city starts with an M, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Can you tell me how to pronounce it? Yes, it is Maastricht. Or okay. Maastricht. Maas- Maastricht. Oh, goodness. Maastricht. <laughs> like yes. I just butchered that. <laughs> no, you sounded wonderful. It was great. That was great. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so tell me how you ended up going to... Uh, well, actually, first of all, okay. So you said you're a first-generation college student. What made you want to study abroad in the first place? And why did you end up going to Maastricht? (laughs) Yes, there you go. There you go. Um, Well, I, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Detroit, born and raised. And I never left Detroit until I went to college. And I only went three hours away from home. When I got to college, I was like, man, the world is just so much bigger than I thought and I was just three hours away and so I knew some upperclassmen who were like going out of the country and I was like what where are you going why are you going out of the country and then I was like well I would like to do that but money was a huge problem for me so I just never thought I would have the opportunity Mm. and then one day my professor invited me to I was the English and education major at the time okay and um she invited me to this presentation for the study abroad trip. And, you know, I was like, oh, I will never be able to afford that. She's like, you never know, just come. Mm. So I went 
It was just a month-long program. Uh, the focus was on education, and part of the deal being in the Netherlands was we would have a placement in a school. So what we are studying in the class, we will then we, were, we would be able to practice that at the school we were placed at, hmm. um, all while traveling the world, you know. So, you know, I was there, and I was like, wow, I would love to do this someday. I just don't know when. Hmm. And um, it came up again, I think, the following year. Uh, I don't quite remember timelines exactly, but it, I just remember it being almost a year later, or about a year later, and one of my friends, one of my black friends, she was like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this trip. I was like, what? If you do it, we should be roommates. Um, <laughs> and I know. And I was, you know, we were both kind of like, Ugh, studying abroad is like, that's a big deal. No one in our family has done that, <laughs> you know. And my mom, oh, my mother was so scared. And I'm like, uh, mother, the Netherlands is one of the safest places I can go. I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but she, too... She's never been out of the country, so automatically she's just like, this is scary because I don't know anything about it. Found out, so the following year, I found out I actually could afford this program, and um, it was very easy to do. Like, the, the timeline was, it was perfect the month that I would be leaving. It was right at the end of the winter semester. I did take spring classes. I wasn't planning on taking spring classes. So mm. it would be right around the time I would take spring classes. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. There's no reason why I can't do this. And uh, so I signed up. My professor was so supportive and so proud of me Aww. when I decided to do it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just did. I just kind of took a leap, leap of faith. I knew I didn't want to start. Like, I know I didn't want to do, like, a semester-long study abroad trip the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like this would be getting my feet wet. Okay. And this was my first and last time studying abroad, but I wished I had been encouraged to do a semester-long trip because I just loved it. It was just, it was so perfect for me. And I could totally live somewhere else for a semester or a year. Yeah. I could have anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's, that's really nice how that worked out. Like you were saying, you kind of got you you kind of got your feet wet with it. Like you were challenging yourself by going abroad, but but not overwhelming yourself by going for for too long the first time. And you got to go yeah. with your friend. That's super cool. Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, is there any particular reason why it was Maastricht? Like why it was in that particular city as opposed to somewhere else in the Netherlands? Yeah, well, so professor had connections there, but we were specifically talking about censorship in our classroom. Mm. And Europe, they don't censor nothing. So <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, maybe I shouldn't generalize. But, um, <laughs> so part of the trip was comparing American schools and European schools mm. and the differences in education. And so it was a college town. Maastricht is very close to Belgium. We biked to Belgium on one of the one of our free days. Uh, that's just how close it was. Mm -hmm. 
but it was a college town. Um, so there was a variety of people and perspectives. Uh, some of the teachers in the classrooms that we were in were from Ireland and England and just like everywhere. And so you had all these different people, some of them whose first language was not English, teaching English. Mm. in these schools. Um, so that was uh, part of the focus too, just how English is taught because yeah. it was a, um, a bilingual school or uh, English immersion school. Um, so that was part of our focus too, seeing how English is taught here and why children learn so well and what they're doing and how we can implement some of those things into our classroom if we have non-native English speakers. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of why they decided to choose Europe, except for the fact that Europe does not censor things like we do in the U.S. when it comes to our public schools. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. That, now that you say it, I guess there is a lot of censorship. For some reason, like the banned books list is coming to my mind. Thinking yes, about exactly. censorship in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But apparently, yeah. uh, according to you, they don't censor anything <laughs> in the education system in, um, yeah. in Europe or in the, in the Netherlands more specifically. Um, yeah. I mean, even watching, like, you know, public TV over there is, like, so different than public TV here in America. Mm. And um, the, the challenge was to be faced with, why, why do we censor things? You know, yeah. ask, why do we censor this? Why is Harry Potter banned in schools? Uh, why do you have all these students who grew up in Christian homes who are like, my mother did not let me read Harry Potter and, you know, home life is a little different than school life. But, um, we talked about good literature, good mm -hmm. quality literature and good quality, quality literature was not, being presented in some ways to students because, you know, of this like, bad thing about the book, you know, yeah. this taboo thing about the book. And so our professors wanted us to say, hey, this is good quality literature. We need to teach it because the children deserve it. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really interesting. I didn't, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so nothing was banned as far as literature goes in my home. I mean, you know, my mom, there's some stuff my mama wouldn't let let me watch or read, you know, if she mm. thought it was beyond my years. But so that wasn't like a norm for me. So I was just like, what? Oh, why do we ban stuff? You know, now that I have children, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I have to think think differently about this than I ever have. But even so, my husband has read so many things to our daughter including three of the Harry Potter books and my mm. daughter is only three um, and you know some people in the family are like oh no Harry Potter uh oh and it's a <laughs> it's a yeah. really good opportunity for my husband to be like hey have you read Harry Potter do you know like the awesome things that this series teaches kids you know mm. um, so it's cool and it's so fun to you know, think about that trip and all these things that we were challenged with as students and now incorporating that to my motherhood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to make those choices. I can imagine that it would be <laughs> difficult. It's funny that you mentioned Harry Potter, though, because my, my dad 
was like more stringent than my mom. So he tried mm-hmm. to keep me from uh, reading Harry Potter because it was, <laughs> it was, what did they say? Demonic uh, or something yeah, because demonic, of all the witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all, come on now. Just read the book. Right. Read the book. Right. And my mom was basically like, she's a reader. She loves to read. Let her oh, read the book. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where we are. We're like, look, I mean, we're not going to let our like eight-year-old read adult literature, mm-hmm. right? But it, it's, I have, okay. I have not read the Harry Potter series. I'm on book five. Hmm. My husband read all the books. He watched all the movies. So he oh. can talk about this better than I can. But the whole, like, good versus evil is just, like, amazing. And so, you know, people are screaming, you know, it's demonic and witchcraft. It's like, it's not like it's a book that's teaching kids how to, I don't know, hex their parents or something <laughs> like that. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know. What are you afraid of? Um, so anyway, we love Harry Potter in this house and we hope our daughter and son love Harry Potter when they're older. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very sweet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I know I digressed by bringing up my own thing, but when you mentioned <laughs> Harry Potter, I immediately thought of about, you know, when that first came out and, uh, my dad being like, oh no, this is not happening. But you know, my mom went out yeah. thankfully at the end of the day. Um, but, um, yeah, so in the Netherlands, you, so you were comparing the American and, um, Dutch, right? Mm-hmm. Dutch. Yep. The American and Dutch education <laughs> system. I was about to say Netherlandian, but I was like, no, I know that's not right. They're Dutch. Why, why would I even think that? Anyway, American and Dutch, um, education systems looking at censorship and education. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you were also like in the classrooms. So were you like mm-hmm. teaching or like assistant teaching when you were in? Um, yeah, I was school? kind of like a para pro that didn't have anything to do. Um, I don't know if you know what a para pro is, but a para pro is essentially an assistant. Um, mm. They typically work, you know, more one on one with students, or they'll take small groups to work on specific skills. So I was essentially a para pro, except I just stood in the classroom. And like talk to students, which the teachers actually wanted because these were, you know, English emergent classrooms. So they wanted the kids to have conversations with an American who spoke English, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it was that was fine. We kind of went into it thinking that we would have to teach more and be more hands on. But the teachers there did not have that in mind. Hmm. and that was okay. I, I liked actually how we were included in the classrooms. We did a lot of introductions and, you know, the teachers would have us share things about where we're from and the kids would ask questions. We talked a lot about the school and demographics and uh, it was really cool. It was really mm-hmm. cool. But I didn't, the most I did was I led like a an ESL activity or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like the last day I was in this one classroom. Um, but I talked with the teachers a lot. The, I think she was science, the science teacher. I don't remember the conversation completely, but we talked a little bit about censorship. And <laughs> I just thought I love this. I just, I feel like I should share this. So we were talking about 
censorship issues, just saying, you know, some things just don't need to be censored because uh, kids learn from things not being censored. And she talked about how to teach her son to like not do drugs and become an alcoholic. She took him to Amsterdam and she showed him like, you know, a drug addict on the street. And she was like, see, you don't want to be like this. Oh, and <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that, was, that was almost my exact reaction. Exact. <laughs> um, and I was like, Oh, how did, how did, uh, how did that turn out? And she said, well, he was really scared and he cried a lot, but uh, I think it worked. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I would do that, but I'm so glad that uh, that, that worked for you, I think. <laughs> uh, like, wow, okay. Uh, so oh that was funny. But um, there were two schools that our group, I don't want to say divided because it was uneven, but there were two schools that we were working in. There was like the sort of private, like international school, and then there was the public school. Two of us were at the public school and I think 10, I think there were 12 of us or something like that, mm-hmm. but the rest, so 10 or 12 were at the other school. The other school was bigger. The public school where we were was smaller. Um, I preferred the public school. It was like this because of like the grades that we were focused on, but I preferred the public school because at the time when I was studying to be a teacher, I wanted to work in the public school hmm. um, in urban areas. So this was more close to what I would want in my career as a teacher, which I did not pursue. Anyway, hmm. um, so at this school, there were, the kids were mostly Dutch, but then there were some immigrant families there too. Hmm. And it was so cool just seeing how like they did school. Everybody at that school spoke Dutch. But everybody at that school also spoke, like, at least two other languages. Wow. And um, I was talking with one of the kids one day, whose name is Jazz, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so I was in this class, and I kept hearing Jazz. And I was like, is this teacher calling my name? And then later I found out this kid's name was Jazz. But I was talking to him, and he was asking me all these questions about very specific, like, places in the U.S. I was like, what, you know, like, geography so well. And he's like, (laughs) I was just, like, astounded, right? Mm. Um, And he's like, well, we're such a small country, and so we, it's just, like, in our education, you know, to learn about all these different places, especially the U.S., especially any other country around us. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's also the reason why we all speak several languages and part of their instruction also, or part of the curriculum for the school is, okay, you speak Dutch, you also learn English and you choose your other language that you want to learn. Hmm. So a lot of kids do English and French or English and German. And, you know, they got to pick the third one, but English was chosen for all the kids who went to that school. Uh, so just very interesting dynamics there. Um, Let's see, I was in a music class, and uh, me and my friend, who was also placed at this school, made a fool of ourselves singing this song in front of the class, and everybody thought it was so funny. Mm. And I looked back, and I just cringed. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. Was it a dust it was song? So 
No, it was um, it was an English song. I don't, <laughs> I can't think of it right now. Okay, but fine. it was like popular at that time. <clears throat> Some like pop song. I don't know. I'd never heard it until I went there. Mm. But um, but it was fun, and I just remember, I just loved the culture of the school and the environment. It was just wonderful. It was so wonderful. It, it was a joy just being part of their classrooms and learning how they learn mm-hmm. um, and just seeing how just how different, which I expected, right? I didn't yeah. expect it to be like like our schools here, but it's just so interesting. Again, you know, my world was so small before going there. Right. So I was just like, wow, this is just like a tiny piece, you know, <laughs> and the world is so much bigger than even this. And I was just so amazed and so grateful for that experience. Mm-hmm. Even the like bad things that happened were fun and good. So it was just, it was just so fun. I was like on cloud nine for like two years after that trip. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It really left a, an impact on you. Um, did. You, you said even the bad things were fun. What what bad things happened? <laughs> the one thing that, <laughs> okay, another thing that just pops in my head. So the first thing, so we had to bike to our placement from our dorms. We lived in the international dorms at Maastricht University. Hmm. And uh, we had to bike from there to our placement, which was a long trip. <laughs> it was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really bad with like distance and directions, but it was a while. It took like a half hour to get there or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day on the way back, it just started like raining, just like torrential rain. And we were just like, Oh, uh, what do we do? And we just kept going mm-hmm. and it was so terrible, but it was so fun. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And my poor friend who was with me was just, she just, that just ruined her day. <clears throat> and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like we can say we rode home our bikes, didn't fall in the rain. <laughs> and we're alive to tell the story. You know, yeah. it was just like so wonderful for me, but every, you know, a lot of the other girls who got caught in the rain, it's like, oh, this is so awful. My pants got ruined and it was terrible, like uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. but it was fine. And then another thing that happened was I think it was on the way back from Amsterdam. We took a weekend, a long weekend trip to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. On the way back, there was like the tram, not tram, I think it was a train. The workers were protesting, so there was, like, no trains, and the trains that were available, you had to literally, like, you were squished trying to get in there, and if you didn't get in in time, it was, like, (laughs) you were, yeah, it was pretty, it was awful. I mean, (laughs) you, like, had to race to the opening, and then you just got, like, pushed in. Like, nobody cared about anybody Everybody just cared about getting a spot on that train. Mm. And it was so terrible being pushed by a crowd of people. And it was so scary. And we were just like, what is happening? I, it was just, it was awful. But we got on the train and we sat on the floor or stood up, you know, because there was no room. And we got, we got to our destination. So it was great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In my opinion, yeah, those are not even bad things, you know. It's just like, oh, a little inconvenience, but nobody got hurt. 
Uh, it was part of the experience is what I always said. <laughs> and it was good. Okay. So the Netherlands is very, I joke and say it's very much like Grand Rapids because Grand Rapids is, well, West Michigan is very Dutch. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it's true. I forgot all about that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I joke when people ask me, oh, how was that? I say, oh, it's like being here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But like, it's so different. But um I don't know. Sometimes people think like when you study abroad, it's like, oh, this is dangerous and scary, like super inconvenient. This trip was very convenient and easy for me. Mm. Almost everyone we were around spoke English, um, you know, had, even if they didn't, they wanted to. So they like use whatever English they knew. And so, you know, kind of bend into the American or, you know, uh, so it was like really easy for me. And I kind of felt like the girls who were complaining about stuff, just like, um, this is very easy. And I, I never like to downplay someone's discomfort mm, or, right. you know, bad experience. I want to affirm that because that's okay. That's okay. If I had fun and you didn't, you know, but, um, Everything was very convenient for us. And the only thing that wasn't convenient, if I had to pick something, mm. would be our main source of transportation was bicycles, which mm. is the culture there. Everyone does it. They have these special bike lanes that are just like crazy, just built into the land, you know. Um, and if you're not careful, you'll get run over. Mm. And they don't care. They're like, hey, get out of the way. You shouldn't be in the way. Um, so that was pretty <laughs> scary sometimes, but our professors, you know, these are things our professors warned about. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, all right, we gotta be fast. We gotta be, we all know how to ride bikes, right? All right, sweet. Then we gotta practice and, you know, assimilate <laughs> so we don't get run over. So yeah, that was like the worst thing that happened. And, you know, it was such a short trip. One month is not very long for a study abroad trip, in my opinion. Um, I was just hungry for more, mm-hmm. you know. And again, I wish I had, I had like another year or year and a half of school left after that. And I wish I had used like my last year mm-hmm. to study abroad. Yeah. But I didn't. That's okay. You still got the experience, even if it was short, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. That's true. That's yeah. true. So, um, you mentioned your, your professors warning you about the, uh, whole thing with like bicycles and, and, uh, watching where you're going, potentially not being run over. So, so did you get like some sort of orientation either before yes. or after arriving in the Netherlands about like just what to expect being there? Yes. You know? Yes. So once, so we signed up and then we got all this information there was like an info session after we signed up and then there was like a before you fly out session mm. um, where our professors talked to us about the culture there and what to expect, where we'll live, personal advice. So like uh, we had a lot, two long weekends. One, we all went to Amsterdam together and another one, we had the choice to go to other places in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, my roommate and I, we didn't have extra money. So we did not get to like go to Ireland or France, you know, all these cool places we wanted to, but we couldn't. So mm-hmm. in that orientation meeting, our professors were like, if you get the chance, just like 
stay local, see what's here, meet some locals, meet some other students, just explore this area. Mm. So we did that and it was so much fun. Um, so in that meeting also, because so in the Netherlands, they have these places called coffee shops where you can smoke weed as much as you want to. Oh. And so our, <laughs> our cute, sweet old professors, they're like, so there are these places called coffee shops. They don't sell what you think they sell there. So we just ask that you we don't want you to go, but we just ask that you not tell us if you visit those places. Oh. <laughs> and it was so cute. And we're just like, what coffee shop? What is that? And the girls who smoke, they're like, oh, we know what those are. And we will be there. <laughs> um, so it was a really fun meeting. And she also broke the, uh, the main professor. She also broke down like the money situation, which made it so that my friend and I could go because we had our trip paid for it. And we're like, oh, we only have like a hundred bucks of spending money. I'm sure we're going to need more than that. And so because of how, like, I don't know how it worked, but whatever the financial situation was, it gave us 800 more dollars of spending money or something crazy like that. Wow. And so it was just a huge blessing. And we were able to, we had to, um, we didn't have meal plans. So we had to shop weekly or daily, you know, at the store, which was so fun. You know, so we had to get our own food. That was like our food, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the grocery store that was around the way from our building. Uh, we had to pay for uh, transportation, like when we went to Amsterdam and, you know, if we did anything extra. So we couldn't do extra things, but, you know, we ate the food and the, the like city center, which was called Breitoff, which was one of the pictures I showed you. It was like I was looking down on like the city center. Mm, that yeah. place is called Breitoff. And uh, we spent a lot of time there. A lot of restaurants are there. There was like a, a fair or something in town one weekend. My roommate and I went to this Italian restaurant where like the server had a crush on one or both of us. <laughs> and he only spoke Italian and I spoke a little bit of Spanish. So I could like pick up some stuff hmm. because of my like Spanish. And even though that's like not Italian at all, but like some words are similar. So yeah. we like figured it out. Um, so that was really fun. And we did a little <laughs> shopping, not a ton. We didn't really care for shopping. We just wanted to have a good cultural experience. Um, I, so I mentioned this earlier that I'm a Christian. And so I wanted to, I, actually, I didn't want to find a church, but in one of my classes, when I was introducing myself, I mentioned my faith and one of the girls, I think she was like a missionary kid or something, but she's like, oh, you mentioned your faith. There are a couple of churches in town if you want to visit. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Hmm. And she's like, there's this one here and this other one here. And so I looked it up on the map later and one was really close to us. So I was like, hey, anybody want to go with me to find this church that I've never been to or never heard of? And <laughs> they're like, no. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go find it and it'll be great. So I get on my bike hmm. and I get lost. I wasn't lost, lost. Like I knew where I was, but I didn't know where the church was. And I kept going in circles. And I was like, 
I don't know what to do. So I sat on a bench and on like this street, I got some gelato. <laughs> and I just sat there and I was just watching the people. And then there was this man who like opened the windows in his like top apartment. He starts singing at the top of his lungs in some language I didn't know. And everyone stopped and looked up and, you know, everyone's clapping and laughing. And I was like, this is so amazing. It's beautiful. And um, right after that, it clicked where I needed to go. So there was some geographical issue that just I could not figure out. I, I think I needed to go like under this bridge and I thought I needed to go over the bridge hmm. and I figured it out. And I went to this church and I walked in like the front of the church in the middle of praise and worship. And it was so awkward. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is just <laughs> not, this is not happening the way that I wanted it to. But it was okay. There were mostly college students. It was clearly it was a small church. It was in a hostel. Um, hmm. It was a small church. Uh, like a, a guy who was, I think he said he was Dutch, but lived in America and then moved back to the Netherlands. And then like all the other students were from like several places in the world. So there were a lot of African students from different countries in Africa. There were a couple of German students, a girl from Latvia. And at the end of the service, I met all these people and they're like, oh, we're going to a baptism here. I was like, oh, can I go? So I'm like following these strangers <laughs> to like this super sketchy part of town. And it was like the town that we rode through was sketchy, but where we went to was like fine. And then so I, at the baptism, I meet all these other people and it was just so great. And from then I... Just like whenever I could, just hung out with those other college students that I met. They invited us to like hangouts. They invited us over for food. When I say us, I mean me and my roommate. Yeah. So we had different types of food that they made. And it was just, that was one of the best parts of the trip. Meeting those other students and some of the locals and just like making new friends, you know? Yeah. Um, I met a girl who was from the area who's Dutch, who was studying to be a midwife. And um, it was just amazing. Every part of that was just so amazing. And I'm so glad that I stayed that long weekend. It just, you know, I stayed in the area because there were a couple of events at the college because those, those students that I met at the church, they were part of a college ministry. Mm. And so they had a couple events going this particular weekend and my roommate went with me this time because before I was just going by myself, I was like, Oh, this is super close. You know, I'm taking a risk going to meet up with these people who I don't know. <laughs> um, but I am incredibly trusting, um, not naive, but I'm incredibly trusting and, um, it served me well in that way. So it was really fun. And then, Another fun thing that happened, one of the girls, so we had class with our professors in the Netherlands too, like once or twice a week. Mm. And in one of those classes, there were some Dutch students studying to be teachers. So it was another opportunity to compare like how we're learning to be teachers and how they're learning to be teachers. Mm. <clears throat> so for example, one big difference was almost right away, they start student teaching. So by the time they graduate their program, they have all this experience in the classroom. We don't start our student teaching until the end of our college. Right. So like 
literally the last year or the last two years. And we're like, oh my goodness, if we started right away, this would alleviate some of the insecurities we have going into the classroom for the Mm -hmm. first time. And so anyway, one of the guys there, one of our girls fell in love with him. And um, (laughs) so, so they were like dating. And one day he invited us to his band's concert. You know, she's like, I don't want to go by myself. Come with me. So we all go with her. So we get to this like literal hole in the wall. There's like a wall and a hole that you walk into that they call the door. And um, it's just like a cave. It it is like a cave. And there's like this bar, which is like a shelf with like some beers on it and um some wine bottles too and then like the bathroom was a toilet with a garbage bag and the toilet Ooh! oh goodness yeah it was very strange (laughs) and there were like people outside with like a dog and inside it was just so tiny and hot and so at one point there was a mosh pit and my friend, who was placed at the same school as me, she's like, do you want to jump in? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Nobody wants to do it with you. I'll do it. So we jump in this mosh pit. There's a picture on Facebook somewhere. Of, it's blurry because we're, like, being jostled around right. <laughs> in this mosh pit. Um, but we did it. It felt like forever but it was probably like five seconds and it was so fun it was absolutely crazy Hmm. but it was fun and it was small it wasn't like a big concert it was just like probably probably eight guys you know and then the two of us okay um i was gonna ask if it got hurt so (laughs) no no thank god (laughs) um (laughs) no i did not get hurt we our friends like pulled us out after like five or 10 seconds, however long it was. Mm. And I think because there were only a few guys, they were like aware that like we were there and Mm. we were clearly not used to doing this, not our style of like concert or anything that was going on in there, but um, it was safe. It was safe. We knew when it was time to go, we left, we had each other's back and we got out of there. So yeah, a lot of really fun things, but all those things happened because we like met locals and we stayed yeah. local, and um, so it was so fun. I think it's so important to be where you go, you know, and mm-hmm. just like take in all of what's there. So, like when we biked to Belgium, um, we went as a whole group, and then our professors—they're like, "All right, if you want to continue, you can, but we're gonna go back." And all but three of us, they all went back. And then three of us, we were like, well, we want to keep going. Okay, let's keep going. Mm. We got lost. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, okay, you know, we're not that far away. So it's fine. And I was so glad to be with two, like, type A girls who were like <laughs> down to business because I was just like, oh, this is wonderful. Let's just explore. Oh, let's go this way. This way looks pretty. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, no, we're going to follow this map. <laughs> uh, so I was thankful for them because we got back right before dark. Um, but that was wonderful. You know, we knew we were in a decent area. If we weren't, we were okay. We were safe. And 
I don't know. Safety keeps coming up because I feel like a lot of a lot of our girls were kind of concerned about safety, and I mean, the Netherlands is literally one of the safest places you can be in the world. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's safer than some spots in America, but not to like diss any areas, but just like oh no, I believe it. I believe public it. safety. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. why I had to assure my mom. I'm like, please, mother, I'm more safe there than I am like in the neighborhood I grew up in. Oh, um. <laughs> so yeah. 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 It is. Mm. So yeah. Okay. Fun times. Yeah. I like how um, you were saying when you were talking about being trusting. It's like you were willing to give people a chance, give new experiences a chance, and you got to do all these wonderful things you know like go to a church service yeah. in a hostel or be in a mosh pit or you know yeah explore yeah. uh belgium a little bit even though you got lost like all these little things as someone who uh struggles with being trusting i really like hearing <laughs> about your approach and and how it ended up turning out for for the best for you yeah that's really that's Thank really you. great okay so you got to go study abroad with your friend right do you yes. think that was that made the experiments experiment experience better or might have had some drawbacks? I only ask because people say things like like you shouldn't live with your friends or you shouldn't you know, certain things yeah. like you might be yeah. on good terms with people, but if you're in too close quarters or in certain situations it's not a good idea. So I don't know right. how you studying with your friend and being roommates with your friend how that impacted your experience it was wonderful i mean it made us closer so we weren't super close before the trip Hmm. we were in the same some of the same classrooms we were in the same like organizations you know so we knew each other's name and we were cordial with each other and we liked each other you know Hmm. but we may we might have even be we became friends because of this trip. I see. And so we uh, didn't have those issues with, I mean, we, and we talked about it like, okay, you know, we got to talk through this stuff. Like, are we, what are we going to do with groceries and stuff? Are we going to split it? If we're going to do that, then we need to talk about money stuff. And that's like a touchy topic. And, you know, and so I think talking through those things and working through those things was easier because we weren't like best friends going into it and we didn't have these expectations of each other. Um, Like there were some nights where I went out to like the local bar with the other girls and my roommate is like, nah, I'm good. And you know, if she was my best friend, I'd probably be like, oh my goodness, you made a party pooper, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) But because I did want her to go because I felt closer to her than anybody else on the trip. But I also respected her space. And if she's like, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, okay. But I never left her out, you know? So I think the last time we went to local bar, she came with us. And she had so much fun. And we were, like, naturally more protective of each other. You know, we're both from Detroit. We both have a similar story. Mm -hmm. So it was so fun having her whenever we did things. But she's also, like, you know, she missed home. She had a little homesickness at one point. And so she's like, no, I just want to stay here. And I was like, I ain't trying to go back to my home. (laughs) So I wanted to, like... 
get all that I could, you know, mm-hmm. before it was time to go. Um, and so I think that having those different personalities as well helped to not cause any of that conflict that comes with living with your friends. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, especially in terms of having expectations of how they, how you think they should react to certain situations. Or Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay. Oh, well, good. Good that that didn't pose an issue. Um, so just so I can get a clear picture of, like, the nuts and bolts of, like, your, your day-to-day. You said you were in class, like, two to three days a week, and then the rest of the, the other days of the week you were... At the schools, I presume? Okay. You know, I should have, like, dug up my journal because I had a journal that we were, we had to keep while we were over there. It was Mm. just part of the program. Okay. But, so, from, like, 7.30 a.m. until 2, so a full day at the school that we were placed in. Mm -hmm. Um, Monday through Friday, we were at that school for a full school day. And then after... We would have to bike to the uh, local college or university is called there because college is the schools for kids. But um, we had to, right after the school day, we would bike to the university to have class with our professor. I think it might have been like three or four days a week. I think we may have had Friday off, but I don't remember for sure. Okay. Uh, but then that time with our professor was about an hour my class was about one or two hours. Um, and it was so hard for me because I was so exhausted mm. between like biking and like being high energy and this school all day. And then I have to go to class and listen to a lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There was actually, I actually fell asleep once and my professor, she called me out. She's like, Are you okay? I was like, uh huh. Jet lag. Oh, oh. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the second week. It's probably not jet lag. Um, <laughs> so it was really embarrassing. Mm. But yes, so we were at the school for full school day, and then we had class that afternoon. Okay. Monday through Thursday. I'm going to say Monday through Thursday. <laughs> okay. I just remember it not being a full week. Going to the school was every day, but class was not every day. Yes. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. And um, pardon me, I should have asked this or clarified this earlier. You might have mentioned it already, but what was this element? Were these elementary schools you were in? Oh, I didn't mention that. Thanks for asking. So we were at the middle school. So our kids were like fifth through, no, sixth through 12th grade. Um, I did spend a lot of time in the high school because I wasn't secondary. My focus was elementary, which was through eighth grade. Hmm. So I was with the sixth through eighth graders. Okay. I ended up in a high school classroom, I think once or twice. I see. Um, but I was with middle school because my degree, you know, with my, with my degree, I would have been certified to teach up to eighth graders. Gotcha. So we were in middle school. So the other ladies who were at the other school, it was like kindergarten through high school there. And uh, I think only one girl there was with the high schoolers and everyone else was elementary. So they had all these, you know, cute little kindergartners and first graders. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had these 
naughty middle school kids. <laughs> but they were fun. I love middle schoolers and high schoolers so much. I just, I like the challenge that they can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and just there, like, I like to be part of their, you know, becoming a teenager and for the teenagers who are transitioning out, becoming a young adult, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I was with the middle schoolers. Okay. I'm actually still like Instagram friends with some of the middle schoolers oh, really? <laughs> that I met there. <laughs> yeah. So it's so fun to see them like be out of high school now. Mm-hmm. And when I met them, they were like eighth graders, you know? Oh, that is really sweet. And I, I know you said you didn't, um, decide not to pursue teaching, but I, I just think it's like, like how you were saying how you enjoyed being with the middle schoolers. I feel like that's the kind of heart you would need to have to be an effective teacher. Cause I just think, yeah. and this is a, a stereotype, but like, <laughs> I think just like middle schools, middle schoolers are just seen as like the worst. Um, yeah. maybe they're not as bad in the Netherlands as, as it is here, but you know, like <laughs> dealing with hormones and transitions and stuff. So like middle right. schoolers are seen as very, but even when I was in school, like I thought middle school was the worst out of all my phases of schooling. So. Same. Same. <laughs> it's just so hard hormonally and emotionally. And there's just so much going on in our brains at that age. And so they are just a challenge biologically, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just how we are at that age. And a lot of people want to dodge that because like preschoolers are way cuter than eighth graders, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and kindergartners are more fun to hang out with than the sixth graders are. So most people gravitate to the little ones and they're, you know, that's such an important time in their life you know the little little ones mm-hmm. and so you know people are like I just want to help give them a strong foundation which is great mm-hmm. but our middle schoolers and high schoolers they still need to know that people love them and mm-hmm. care for them and also want them to be successful still mm-hmm. and so I think that's why I have a heart for older kids and my husband and I we even talk about adopting someday and we're like well we're definitely adopting a teenager if we adopt um because teens in the foster care system are just overlooked and we're not foolish we know that it won't be easy and we work with young moms now between the ages of 15 and 19 and so we know the challenge that it is but we're willing to sacrifice you know Mm -hmm. our comfort to make sure that this teenager knows that they are loved regardless of where they are in life, regardless of what they've done, you know? And so that's really important to me. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I, um, I mean, I know there are a lot of hardworking teachers out there, but I just wish there were more teachers who had that perspective in terms of like nurturing these you know like you said like when they're cute and they can't talk it's it's fine but once they're like (laughs) they have their own personhood and they they're giving you attitude and being difficult then it's it's harder to want to still you know to try with them and to stick by them and let them know they're supported so you know that's definitely um i mean i i don't want to 
give the wrong impression. I'm sure there are tons of teachers out there teaching now who love the kids. They love the kids, right? Sometimes, yes. but some don't, you know? And so I just, yeah. I really appreciate I your you perspective. Mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not naive. Right. We we know the truth and we've seen some things. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, that's a fair observation. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you were learning all these things about education and interacting with students and everything. And you were in um, Maastricht. Now, now, Maastricht, you said it was a, a college town. But do you remember any other like defining qualities or anything that stuck out about this particular um town or city you were in yes oh my goodness these roads there was like not there was no such thing as like parallel roads Hmm. so like if you look at the map of the area it literally looks like a child just scribbled a bunch of lines (laughs) those scribbles were the roads that you had to follow to find the things you were looking for and we're like oh this is interesting That is part of the reason why I got lost when I was looking for that hostel, Mm. because I was looking at the map and the street was just not there. And I was like, it's not there. I don't know what to do. The street is not there. And (laughs) when I finally figured out what the problem was, I saw that it was like on this little curve or something. I kept the map, but I don't know where it is. I think I got rid of it in one of my moves. I've moved a lot, but I wish I still had it. But it was very, very confusing. Um, walking around and biking around the area. Oh, those roads were crazy. <laughs> um, let me see what else. It was it was a sweet little town. Um, like I said, it was really close to Belgium. And so there were some areas that were less city-like, but mostly where we were, it was like a medium-sized city. It wasn't like big city life. You know, lots of apartments and no skyscrapers or anything like that, but it was definitely a college town, like similar to, well, not really. I was going to say similar to Michigan state, but not at all. Uh, I'm just thinking of like the charm of the buildings mm-hmm. on Michigan state's campus. Um, there were lots of buildings like that in Maastricht and specifically where we were, like there were some areas that were very pleasant. Like there was this one area that had like this this stone like piece of a castle it wasn't a castle but it looked like a piece of a castle that was taken and put on this piece of land Hmm. and it was so cute it had like a little stream with some animals and it was really cute and the streets too were very small and narrow um they kind of looked like alleyways Hmm. a lot of the streets and so you know not big and wide like what we might be used to everything was small small i say small but probably just the right size you know um you know there were bike what are they called the things that you put your bike on when you go into the store or something bike racks yeah i'm gonna call it a bike rack (laughs) there were like bike racks everywhere so that was i mean we we knew that their main mode of transportation in the Netherlands is bicycle. So we went there expecting this, but it was just so crazy. Like there were literally bikes everywhere. Mm. And at the train station where we went to take the train to Amsterdam, 
right outside of the train station, there were literally like probably like 500 bikes just locked waiting for the owner to get back from whatever trip (laughs) they were on. And it was just so crazy. Uh, Crazy cool. You know, I keep saying crazy, but like, I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm. Again, different, different world, right? I am so intrigued by how people live differently and how people, you know, how they work differently. Like another really cool thing was like, Dinner time at 5 p.m. is not a thing in the Netherlands. Everybody eats at like 8 or 9 p.m. That is dinner time. So before that, you know, people are just chilling and relaxing and enjoying life. We would often see people like just like in the middle of the day when you would think they would be working, just like hanging out, drinking wine at the restaurant and loads of people. It wasn't just like three couples doing this. There was a wait to get into this restaurant because it is filled up Hmm. at one in the afternoon or two o'clock or, you know, whatever the case. It was so strange to us because we're like, oh my goodness, people are just chilling. (laughs) You know, there's, (laughs) there's no rush. People are just like living life and enjoying each other. And that was so cool to see. And I personally grew up eating dinner at like after seven o'clock. And so like five, 6 p.m. dinner wasn't a thing for me either. Hmm. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, this is like what I'm used to. You know, people just thought it was so strange when we told them that, oh, yeah, five, six is dinner time. They're like, what? Why would you eat dinner that early? (laughs) There's still so much to do. Um, (laughs) And um, another fun thing was I met a girl from Libya and a guy from Togo Mm. and we hung out a lot. And one time the girl, she was like on a fast for something and she's like, I can't wait for this fast to end so I can eat McDonald's. And I hated McDonald's (laughs) at the time. And so I was like, ew, you want to eat McDonald's? And she's like, you don't eat McDonald's. I said, no. She's like, but you're American. Oh, goodness. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you do think that. Um, well, I hate McDonald's because it is disgusting. Mm. And I ate it a lot when I was a kid, so I just choose not to eat that anymore. And she's like, I'm so shocked by this. And I'm, like, real thin. I'm, like, 5'7", 120 pounds. So I'm, like, real thin. And she's like, no wonder why you're so skinny. That is also strange. You're American and you're this small. Oh my and goodness. we're all just like laughing, you know, like, you yeah. <laughs> That was funny because we had a bunch of skinny girls on our trip. So they also got that from a lot of people. <laughs> oh, wow. Like uh, one of the girls, she was talking to some guy and he's like, you're American, but you have a six pack. So that was very interesting. Just like what they expected of us being Americans and American females. Like we went out at like a dance club one night Mm. and there were all these guys like trying to kiss us and like, okay, no judgment, you know, you do you boo boo, but like herpes is real. (laughs) So, Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not. I'm good. Okay. I am good. So, 
so these guys kept trying to kiss us. And some of our friends are like, okay, yeah, you know, you know, we're in a new place. Woo woo. So this dude kept trying to kiss me. And finally, I was like, why do you want to kiss me so bad? And he's like, because I want to be able to tell people that I kissed an American. I was like, what? <laughs> why do you? That is very weird. And I was so put off by it. Mm. And I was like, that is so strange. Like, why do you, what do you, what do you think of American women? <laughs> what you have this expectation that will like kiss you or sleep with you or something. That's not okay. Um, so I was like very annoyed by that. Mm. Just very interesting. Uh, those, those differences, you know, and navigating that and, being gracious and, you know, communicating. Yeah. America is filled with a variety, <laughs> a variety of body types and ethnicities and colors and religions. And, you know, we're not just what you see on reality TV <laughs> right. or whatever they're watching. Uh, a lot of the kids, when they found out I was from Detroit, they would ask me, oh, like eight mile Eminem. Oh, and <laughs> my oh, very impressive. It's very, I'm very impressed that you, you know, that movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know Eminem. I did not live on eight mile. No. Um, and some of the kids, one of the, one of the boys he had on a Pistons Jersey and when I said I didn't, I didn't see him when I was given my introduction, and I mentioned I was from Detroit. My introduction, so he comes up to me. He's like, "You're from Detroit," and he points at his jersey. Oh, like, oh yeah, that's adorable. It was, I know, it was so cute. And this was a sixth grade classroom, so these were like the youngest kids in the building. So he just seemed so small, you know, and so cute. Mm -hmm. But that was fun. So yeah, it's an interesting things to navigate. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it. Now, <clears throat> you know, you were saying how you were you weren't down for like kissing strangers, which is totally fine. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was curious, being that your faith is really important to you, I'm curious if you felt uncomfortable about being in a place that was so lax about things like weed or even like um sex oh, and things like yeah, that yeah um or I don't know if that's more so in Amsterdam and not in the area you were staying in but you know I don't know if you felt mm -hmm. any type of way about those things yeah well that's a great question um no it didn't make me uncomfortable I don't like I recognize that people live differently mm -hmm. and I even embrace that because I believe that my faith is individual, but I think a huge part of my faith is loving people well. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe you can love people well without acknowledging and affirming their differences. And so that even means difference in religion and beliefs. Um, and so none of that made me uncomfortable. I mean, I come from a family that smokes weed like it's their day job. Um, so... <laughs> I'm like, all right, y'all. <laughs> Make sure y'all bills is paid, okay? Um, but <laughs> so that was my upbringing. So that wasn't that wasn't weird or strange or uncomfortable for me. You know, a couple of our girls like had some one night stands, and I didn't think less of them. 
you know, like, hey, that's just what they choose to do. I hope they were safe because herpes is real. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that was like, that was my biggest concern. Safety. Yeah. And um, making sure that people are cared for, you know. So even even with the, the students that I met at the church that I found there, they were from like countries all over the world, right? So even though we shared the same faith, how we lived it was a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some similar things, like I would say like foundational beliefs, but how we lived was different and that was beautiful. You know, and so I think that that was so important in strengthening my faith, even because I was from a very like the people who taught me believe like one way about a lot of things. And um, that kind of made me really critical, like in a bad way. Mm. And so like being abroad and seeing how other people are Christians like me, how they're different and how, it, I don't know, it's kind of hard to articulate, but that trip also played a huge role in strengthening my faith mm-hmm. and just seeing God made all these differences and they're all beautiful, yeah. you know, and even people who choose not to believe him, they're beautiful and they're wonderful and they deserve love, you know, so I attribute that trip to, it's a huge reason why my faith is as strong as it is today. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. I really admire how much you, you seem to really love and appreciate people and all their various differences. I, I, I wanted to ask that because, you know, people have their own, you know, based on their backgrounds or whatever, they might have their own ex- expectations or, or mm-hmm. of this new country that they're going to be in and they might feel scandalized by certain things. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even, even beyond just from a religious standpoint, you know, some people just like, you know, they get somewhere different and they're like, why do they, ugh, why do they do that? Uh-uh, it couldn't yes, be me. Yes. I wouldn't do that. And well, that, and that I can mean, obstruct the experience. You're so you know? right. Yes, you're absolutely right. A perfect example of that is uh, we went to Amsterdam and we walked through the red light district and I was talking to one of my friends who lives here in West Michigan and she is a Christian and I was telling her about this experience and her immediate reaction was exactly that. She's like, Oh, Oh, I could never. Oh, hmm. I'm like, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, I didn't say I was like one of the ladies who was, you know, working in the red light district. Like, I don't understand why you're so upset right now. Hmm. Um, and I think it's important for us to, especially Christians, I think it's important for us. And I, I think there are a lot of, a lot of Christians are being called out right now. Um, and it's, I think it's so good. Uh, but we need to understand and value the differences in the world. And I think a lot of West Mis- Michigan Christians, especially, um, are used to one way of living and doing things. And they not only are they used to one way of living and doing things, but they expect everybody else to be that way too, mm-hmm. which is wrong. Uh, so she, I was just so shocked by her reaction, you know? And I was like, you know, I understand it makes you uncomfortable, but Amsterdam is 
absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I would go back in a heartbeat. I would mm-hmm. live there if I had the opportunity to, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just, that was like another huge highlight of my trip being in Amsterdam. It was like a million more people <laughs> than Maastricht. Mm-hmm. And it was like 10 times crazier. There were like coffee shops on every corner. Um, <laughs> but it was beautiful and there's just it's just such a unique place and I encourage everybody you know if you have the chance to explore Amsterdam if you're in that part of the world do it because it's incredible Mm -hmm. um and so it was it was so funny because when we went when we were going through the red light district we were in a boat in a canal and it was such a beautiful like sweet time and we were like riding through the red light district. <laughs> so it was also so weird to have, you know, these half naked ladies looking and waving at us and, mm. um, from the windows <laughs> where they were working. And, um, even though some people will see that as this dark and awful thing, prostitution, you know, mm. um, that I think you can acknowledge that if that's how you feel without taking away from the beauty of that place Mm -hmm. and also realizing that those people are humans, you know? Um, and so even though you may not think that it's okay that they're doing this, like I always tell my friends who claim to be Christians and who just have a problem with people doing stuff, I'm like, it is your job to pray for them. Mm -hmm. If you feel like, you don't like something, take it to the Lord. It's not your job to, <laughs> to do all this extra stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the ladies there chose that, um, but you never know. You never know the situation. People are complex, mm-hmm. and yeah. that complexity is beautiful and mysterious. So I just leave it at that. Yeah. No, that's, that's very... Um open-minded and very, very wise. Yeah. I appreciate that you took that approach to, you know, the things that you were seeing, especially in Amsterdam. Uh, you sent me a photo where you were sitting inside like a giant wooden, wooden shoe. Was that also in Amsterdam? (laughs) It was. Okay. We were walking down the street and there were like all these fun little stores and shops. It was very touristy, the street that we were down. And I was sitting outside a store. And I was like, I need to sit in this and take a picture. <laughs> so I did. Yeah. Did. Oh, that's fun. Okay. <laughs> that's really fun. Okay. Uh, and then you mentioned riding your bike into Belgium. So y'all just rode in across the whatever border that was and then rode back. You didn't like really explore or see anything when you were in Belgium? We saw it was like farmland of houses, like some interesting like modern built homes. We saw some swans and some different structures, but that was it. But yeah, it was like it didn't even we barely even knew that we crossed over to Belgium because it was just like that easy. Yeah. To get over there. But it was very European as far as like the homes, how they were made and, you know, the vehicles. And mm-hmm. it was very, it was uneventful, <laughs> uh, but it's very fun to say I bike to Belgium. You yeah, know? sure. <laughs> sure. I feel that. Um, and, and so, as you mentioned, you, you know, ultimately 
decided not to pursue teaching. But the program that, you know, this one month experience you had and the program you were doing in, in Maastricht, do you, at the time, did you feel like it informed what kind of teacher you wanted to be or made you more excited to get into that field? Or, you know, how did it yeah. influence your 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 plans or your aspirations at the time as far as becoming a teacher? Yeah, well, actually, so my focus at the time was elementary education. Mm-hmm. And actually, the trip made me think, I don't want to do elementary. I want to do secondary. I want to work with the older kids. So I was like, struggling. Like, I'm too late in the game to switch my degree to secondary. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of factors to why I decided not to pursue education. But that was probably one of them. I was just feeling like I needed to work with older kids and I wasn't sure if teaching was the way to go. Mm. And so maybe a year after that, it was like my senior year in college when I decided not to pursue my teaching degree. Mm. But yeah, that trip made me it like increased my love for middle schoolers mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, and high schoolers. I like for sure knew after that that I did not want to work with elementary school age kids. I mean, if I do, then it'll have to be like the sixth through eighth graders because, you know, depending on the school, they might be considered elementary right. age. But I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to work with the little ones. I love them. I love them. But now I want to tackle these older ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. While while you were in the Netherlands, or maybe even like after you got back, how did your family respond to you having had that experience? Or, you know, what kind of things did you tell them about it? I, I know your mom was very afraid at the time before you left. But while you were there, or after you came back, you know, did you all discuss it at all? And like, what kind of impressions did they gain from what you told them about your experience? Well, my mother was so proud. She was so glad that I was back home, but <laughs> she was also so proud. And, um, you know, they kind of felt like, oh, Jazz did it. Maybe I could do it too, you know? And none of them have left the country since, but they like travel domestically a lot more. And, you know, they're not as afraid to leave their city. And I would say, my traveling abroad encouraged them to think outside of the city, you know, encouraged them to think, oh, okay, I can do this. And it encouraged them, I would say, too, to be a little more trusting, mm-hmm. um, at least in that time, in that year <laughs> that I did that. I've always loved people uh, since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. And so I like encouraging, you know, my family to do the same. Uh, But I also encouraged a lot of my other friends who were in college. I encouraged them to study abroad. Just talking about my short experience really helped a lot of my friends to, you know, make a final decision to leave Mm. the country. And so I was just so glad to have that experience because in some ways my experience helped someone else to have an even greater experience than I did. Like one of my best friends studied abroad. Uh, she went to Ghana for, I think it was a whole year. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, 
it was either a semester or a whole year. I think it was a whole year because she was gone for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't have done it if I didn't study abroad and if our other friend didn't study abroad either. And we had our experiences to share with her. And she's like, all right, I'm doing it. And so, I, you know, I am a first-generation college student. So my siblings, you know, they didn't go to college. And so for them to have an abroad experience, I think it's not as easy. I, I think it's so easy to do it when you're in college, which is why I encourage so many college students to do it while they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, depending on your career and how your life ends up, you might have opportunities to travel abroad, but I think it's easier in college to do it. There's just so much that's already set up for you, yeah. you know, and all you have to do is sign up and pay the money, <laughs> you know, and in some cases they'll give you money, <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, look, this is the time. This is the time to do it. Yeah. I even have some family, like a younger cousin who was like, really want to study abroad. I'm like, girl, I will help you. I will come and help you look up programs, figure out your money situation, talk you through some of your fears, because I think it's so worth it, mm-hmm. you know, especially for someone who hasn't ever traveled like I was. That was my first time flying on a plane. When I flew out of Grand Rapids to oh Chicago, from Chicago to Belgium, yeah. that was my first time on a plane. It was terrifying, but I'm so <laughs> glad that I finally did it, you yeah. know? And I just, like, these experiences, they're so, like, normal to some other people. Mm-hmm. I just want people to know they can have it, too. You know, yeah. this is for you as well. You just have to take that leap of faith. And mm-hmm. So I wanted to try as best as I could to articulate that to my family and to my friends. And, and I mean, they loved hearing about it and seeing all my pictures and stuff. And I brought some stuff home for them and, and they loved it, but I want them to like, if they ever have the opportunity to go beyond just listening to and liking my story, but you create your own, you know, you don't have to go to the Netherlands. You can just go to Mexico or you can just go to Florida but just do it. Just start somewhere. Yeah. Because the world is so big. <laughs> <laughs> it it's is. So yeah. Big. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. And, you know, speaking in terms of you leading by example and encouraging other people to expand their horizons, are there any other tips or advice or like takeaways from your time in, in Amsterdam that you'd like to impart to others who want to study abroad um, oh, like man. you did? Yeah. Just get to know the area. Get yeah. to know your local area. I, I think we just got so much gold by doing that. And just live in the moment. Live in the moment you're in. There is just so much you can get from just being present where you are mm-hmm. and um, taking everything as it comes, you know, yeah. take it hour by hour, day by day. Um, because I think being able to turn like the bad things into good things really made it so that I had just an absolute wonderful time. It was just absolutely wonderful. 
and just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> it's very basic. Just do it. <laughs> if you need some help, ask for help, but just do it. Yeah. Um, have someone you can like express your fears to who's not going to be like, oh, yeah, girl, don't do that. That sounds scary. Mm-hmm. And have somebody who's going to affirm you but push you because I struggled for so long with the fact that I didn't study abroad a second time. And I was so worried about like money and, you know, if my classes will line up and I didn't talk to anybody about it. And I think if I talked to more people about it, they would have been like, girl, everything's going to work out. Just go. Where do you want to go? All right, right, let's get you there. So just do it. Explore the local area, meet new friends and enjoy it. You know, just enjoy it. It's, I mean, very simple, basic advice, you know, not super deep, but, uh, you know, I am somebody who thinks way too hard about things. Mm. And so I had the experience that I had because I didn't think hard about anything. (laughs) I just did it. It's a good point. You know, if if there was something I wanted to do, I did it. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, I was wise and careful and cautious still, but I, I didn't let my fears get in the way. Like I hate getting lost. I, I'm absolutely terrified of getting lost. And I got lost three times. And every single time it was so much fun. I, I would not have gone to the places that I did or met the people that I did if I let my fears control my experience. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Don't do it. Let's <laughs> go and have some people that you trust or I mean a lot of stuff I did by myself too and so it was a small enough area I kind of made a map uh, when it didn't confuse me but I studied the map <laughs> you know I knew where my home base was I just went and it was wonderful oh well that's yeah that is really good advice I appreciate that uh, especially what you said about not overthinking things or letting uh, your fears control you. I also realized that when I asked that question, I said your time in Amsterdam. I meant to say the Netherlands. I keep <laughs> mixing them up in my head. Okay. <laughs> I meant to it's say okay. the Netherlands. <laughs> um, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, I wish I spent more time in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of a- alluded to it or touched on it a bit, especially in terms of the support you got from your professors. But um, in terms of like financially being able to afford participating in that program, do you have any mm-hmm. advice in, in that regard? Ask everybody. People want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so ask everybody. I mean, I asked absolutely everybody that I could. I got a, little, a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there. But every single penny made it so that I could go on this trip. Yeah. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask, you know, it, it's not tacky to start a GoFundMe. It's not bad to say to your professors, I need some additional financial support. Can you help me figure out how to get that? Your, your professors, especially, mm-hmm. they want you to go on this trip. And so, you know, just reach out, reach out and ask for money. It's such a hard thing to do. And, you know, American culture, but look, YOLO, this is like a one in a lifetime experience. Yeah. And you are not, do not let money 
be the reason why you can't go. I know that's easier said than done for a lot of people. And I understand that. But I literally had no help from my parents. And so it just seems so I just I just knew I couldn't do it because I didn't have like a savings account that I could pull from. You know, I didn't have anything. And I asked for money and people gave me money and um, it worked. So, you know, whatever fundraising thing you're thinking about or, you know, that family member, those friends, whatever, whatever it is, even working. I worked a little bit. I didn't work a ton to save, but I had like a hundred or $200 something. So very small amount saved mm. um, from my job. And so if that's possible, like start saving from your job now, but just ask, ask for help. I don't, I hate asking for help. So I know how hard that is. I understand. Is. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, I can do this. I can figure it out. I got this. I got yeah. this. But I literally had no resources to pull from. Hmm. So I just started asking, asking randomly cousins and aunties who I haven't talked to. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I promise I do love you, but I really want to do this. And I was just so shocked at like how generous people were mm. and how they wanted me to do this, you know? Yeah. And so they were willing to give a little bit. And like I said, every little bit, every little bit counts. Um, I don't know if, you know, I, a lot has changed since I was, in college, since I've been in college. So I don't know, they might have better like financial opportunities for study abroad programs, um, maybe scholarships and grants and stuff, but always look into if there's some free money. And like I said, just ask those professors directly because mm. they have a plug. Okay. They can <laughs> wait for students to ask. Yeah. So <laughs> just but you ask. Have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Absolute. That makes absolute sense. Um, even as hard as it might be to ask for help, as you, as you mentioned. But yeah, that's, that's good advice. So you mentioned how you would love to go back to Amsterdam. You also mentioned having a list of places you would like to go. So you know what's on your list? Where where would you like to go in the future? Oh my goodness! Everywhere. I'm just kidding. Uh, I kind of, but I definitely want to go back to Amsterdam. I definitely I need to visit the motherland. Um, I'll probably start in Ghana because I have a lot of friends who studied abroad in Ghana, but I also have a couple of friends who are from Ghana. Mm. So I want to visit Ghana. Um, and New Zealand, mostly because, I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to go to New Zealand. Right. <laughs> I was just looking at it on the map, and I want to go there someday. And I would look at, you know, pictures online and stuff. I want to go there. Let's see. Switzerland, Australia, everywhere. But my first priority is the motherland. My husband and I have been talking about visiting someday and so when we get the chance we're gonna go south america i mean literally everywhere everywhere i want to go everywhere um <laughs> i mean if i keep talking i'm just gonna name like all the places in the all world. the countries yeah but, yeah yeah but i you know every continent that i can visit i would like to mm. um i've been to europe 
not a lot of places. So, you know, there's still a lot of places there that I want to visit. Even, like, more north in the Netherlands, there are these cute little towns and places that I want to see. And it's, like, hours away from where we were when I was in the Netherlands. And so there's just so much I want to see. I mean, there are places in the U.S. that I haven't been to yet that I want to that I want to see. So, you know, as soon as these babies are weaned and I got some time, (laughs) I'm going every chance that I get, you know? Oh, well, um, I'm glad that you have so many places you're looking forward to going. You know, like you said, you kind of want to go everywhere, even, uh, (laughs) but the motherland is, or Ghana more specifically is, uh, like your priority. I hope you do get to get out there and, and go to all those places. Um, Thank you. Yeah, especially since you know uh, how you were how saying how you felt like you wish you would have gone abroad again while you were in college, you know. So hopefully you yeah. will be able to take advantage of the opportunity to travel internationally, you know, in the future when, when things and are right. My husband, he did some international travel too, and so we've talked a lot about living abroad. We're like, I said to him once, I said, what are we going to do when our kids are adults? He's like, pick a country to live in. So I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> I was thinking. So I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> so that's probably what we'll do. So even if, you know, we don't do a ton of traveling when the kids are just a little bit older than they are now, mm-hmm. when they're out of the house, we're like prepared to just go. Y'all are out of here. We want to. Yep. We are out. <laughs> Oh yeah, well that is that is a, a good thing. It's very reassuring that y'all are on the same page. So yeah, yeah it is. that's I'm great. So thankful. <laughs> um, okay, well my my last question for you is, where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Oh yeah, I forgot. I did. I did know you would ask me that question. I'm not really like present on any social media platforms. Right. <laughs> um, I'm on Facebook, Jasmine Beaverly. I'm on Instagram, Jazz Beaverly. That's B J O R L I E. It's a very Norwegian name. My husband is very Norwegian. Hmm. Um, so Beaverly or Bajorly is what people how people pronounce it. Okay. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook is the same thing. Again, I'm not, a, I'm not really present on social media, but I'll be there sometimes. So if y'all want to pop in and say hi, I'll say hi back. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you again for, for agreeing to be a guest. It was so nice getting to talk to you. I, I really just hearing the way you talk, talk about your experiences and um, how you think about students and, and people was very heartwarming for me to hear. So I, I really enjoyed getting to talk to you and learn about your time in the Netherlands. <clears throat> Thank you. I yeah. loved, I loved talking about it. I love talking about my experience abroad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I also wanted to say oh, that yes. um, this is my 80th interview. You're the 80th person that I've interviewed for this podcast. Oh, wow. And I measure my, my milestones by the tens. So every 10 episode <laughs> is like a, a big deal for me. So thank you again. for a big deal, girl. <laughs> thank you for being a, a part of that milestone. Um, oh, yeah. yes. And congratulations <laughs> to you. That's thank you. Awesome. <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad that this worked out and and you ended up being my 80th person. This is really great. And like I said, I hope you enjoyed this um, conversation as well. Oh, I did so much. Like I said, you've been very generous with your time, very generous with your insight. So I, I'm good. I don't have any other questions. I don't need anything else from you at the moment. So, um, yes, okay. thank you again. I hope you have a good night and everything. And, yes, thank you, Danielle. Yeah. I really appreciate it. This was so fun. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. You're very welcome. I'm glad you, you mm-hmm. had a good time. Um, so you take care. Have a great weekend a great night i hope you and your family continue to be well and all the stuff you're doing i hope i wish you the best of luck with all the all the various things that you're up to thank you so much i appreciate those kind words no for sure for sure it's no problem Um, nice to meet you yes (laughs) like likewise (laughs) virtually yeah yes yes (laughs) but yeah i will be in touch over the next few days so okay sounds good okay all right Bye bye. bye jasmine all right y'all there it is thanks to jasmine for being such a wonderful guest and i hope you like how this all turned out for the rest of you listening don't forget to follow this podcast at young gifted and abroad on instagram and facebook and at yg abroad on twitter and also don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are, and you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. (laughs) And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in one month (laughs) on Saturday, June 19th, also known as Juneteenth, we will be celebrating Young Gifted and Abroad's third anniversary. Yes, three years of me doing the show and talking to and getting to feature some really incredible and lovely people. Uh, So I won't say too much about what's going to be in the episode, but you'll get to hear from a few of the guests who have appeared during this third year of Young Gifted and Abroad, and of course you'll get to hear my reflections as always. I feel like I'm always reflecting, so you'll get to hear what I've been thinking about when it comes to this show, which will be, as always, tons of positive things, lots of gratitude and hopefully some helpful honesty. So you can look forward to hearing about that in one month on Juneteenth. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.